0: to another episode of the Making Sense of Islam podcast. This podcast is one small part of a larger platform I've created dedicated to offering reflections on Islam, life, and mindfulness. I encourage you to visit makingsenseofislam.com to find a wide selection of articles, videos, other podcast episodes, and most importantly courses designed to distill the complexities of Islam's intellectual heritage into usable and practical tactics and strategies for day-to-day life. I'm also active on Making Sense of Islam's social media accounts, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn, where you will learn about what's new and what's in the works. That's it for now. Enjoy the show. My guest today is Ali Khelfi, who is the founder of the Islamic Text Institute in Cape Town, South Africa. He is a pioneering author with the ability to translate classical and traditional Arabic texts into the English language in a way that grasp audiences on various levels. Recognized as an assiduous student of sacred knowledge, he spent over a decade at the feet of Sheikh Siraj and Sheikh Ahmed Hendricks, who are Cape Town's leading scholars and heads of Azawiyah Institute in Walmer estate they in turn graduated from um al-qura university in mecca specializing in usul al-fiqh and spent about 10 years at the feet of the very famous and well-known scholar al-sayyid muhammad bin alawi al-maliki may god be pleased with all of them these sheikhs have bestowed their blessings upon Sheikh ali and given him license ijazah to teach various disciplines of islamic knowledge ali also spent two years at the grand al-azhar mosque in cairo sitting at the feet of some of the foremost scholars alive today, including Sheikh Ali Juma, who happens to be one of my primary teachers, Sheikh Fethi Abdurrahman al-Hijazi, Sheikh Hassan al shafii also one of my teachers who taught me theology, and Sheikh Hisham Kamil, may God be pleased with all of them, all of whom he heard traditional texts from, with their permission to transmit these texts. Ali was afforded some private learning sessions with Sheikh Said Mamduah, to whom he read Hadith. Sheikh Dr. Yusri Jabr, and Dr. Nahla Al-Haraqi, to whom he read the entire Jawharat Al-Tawheed, which is a standard uh, theology text taught at Al-Azhar and in uh, centers around the world. Ali also read the latter work in Medina to one of the oldest living descendants of Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, Habib Jibreel Al-Attas. Ali is currently completing his Master's in Islamic Studies with a focus on theology at UNISA. His other works include Surat Al-Fatiha, A Fellowship of Faith, The Mind, Body, and Soul Primary School Kids Syllabus, The Honor and Status of the Human Being, The Legacy, A Spiritual Journey to God, Islam, A Tradition of Mercy, and, most recently, The Islamic Text Trivia Game. Please enjoy my conversation with none other than Ali Khalfi.
1: Ali, welcome to the show. Uh, as alaykum, Sheikh. Thanks for inviting me. It's an honor and a pleasure to be on, on your podcast today.
0: Alaykum as Thank you for making the time. So, uh, one of the things I want to start off with that I think a lot of my listeners, um, and even myself included, would be interested in knowing more about, is if you can give us a brief background tutorial of the Muslim community
1: in South Africa. Bismillah ar-Rahman rahim alhamdulillah. Salatu was salamu ala Sayyidina rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa barik Sheikh, that's a, a pertinent question, and it's a fascinating story, in fact. Um, Cape Town in South Africa was, in fact, one of the um, three main slave holdings uh, uh, which uh, uh, which uh, history testifies to it. I think it was the USA, it was Brazil, and Cape Town. And if one looks back at Brazil, Islam was wiped out there. But Islam survived here in Cape Town, and uh, it survived through uh, slaves who embraced Islam and were then brought to Cape Town uh, to work here. They were basically slaves. And uh, what happened was that uh, some of them were, were learned, and names that come up is Guru and Sheikh Yusuf of Makassab, who was in fact a, a, a prince and a qadi. And uh, what they did here, they never taught anybody fiqh here. They taught them how to sing. And when I say sing, I mean chant the Asma'ul Husna and the ibn Imam Haddad and the litanies of Sayyid Abu Qadr Jailani. And as they sang and rehearsed these things, that was what kept Islam alive here today. And interestingly enough, around Cape Town, Cape Towns are surrounded by mountains. And on every mount, everywhere, we have one of them buried. And we consider them to be the awliya, who basically look after our city, and we visit these shrines as symbols of those who preserved Islamia, and to us they are our Oliya. That is, in a nutshell, how Islam came here, and um, it's a very vibrant Islamia. I think we are a very balanced people. No community, I would say, is bereft of uh, uh, a bit of extremism, but we are a diverse culture, and uh, we have drank from the basins of these scholars in in Makkah, in Egypt. Uh, in Yemen, uh, from India. And uh, I think we have a healthy, diverse culture and flavor of Islam here. Yeah. The mosques are all over the place, alhamdulillah. We have uh, schools, uh, universities. We can take up a degree in Islamic studies at university yeah. We have mashaykh teaching the traditional methodologies here. Yeah. And my, the institute I run is, is one of, of the many here. Yeah. We have the likes of uh, Sheikh Ninawi, I'm sure everyone's familiar with him who has the Medina Institute here and in abroad. So I can go on and on and on. But I think, uh, alhamdulillah, we have a, a rich culture here of, of diverse flavors of, of Islam, right? You're all drinking from one beautiful basin.
0: And when uh, did this slave period end, roughly,
1: in South Africa? Well, I'm sure you are familiar with the um, apartheid uh, uh, era where... For example, black people were allowed in certain areas and white people were um, allowed in certain areas. To, to the point where um, we had something called the pass And dom in Arabic, in, in Afrikaans, means uh, foolish or stupid. Where certain people, because of certain colours, were restricted and curtailed just because of the colour. And it was Nelson Mandela who from prison rose and came to... uh, uh uh, bring a system of justice here. And in fact, he said that the, what he did was based on the principles of Islam, justice, um, fairness, adala is the word, and it has so many connotations. So uh, we're going back hundreds of years here. I think uh, it could be two, 300 years back, if not more. Uh, one of my, my lecturers even uh, did a, on all the slaves who came here and their backgrounds and what tariqa they followed and what they taught and he identified who were athletes and who were swimmers. I think uh, what I can do is share that th- thesis with you. I think you will really appreciate it. In there, there is a and uh, uh, about five or six hundred pages just about Cape Islam and when the slavery started, when it ended. In fact, uh, if I may add, uh, uh, it was the time of Queen Victoria when the slavery when slavery stopped and the slaves year wrote back to the queen to say that uh, ignorance is rife here uh, regarding Islamic knowledge. We need people to come and teach us. And she sent um, uh, scholars here, Hanafi scholar by the name of uh, Sheikh uh, Muhammad Effendi. And he came here and he, uh, in a predominantly Shafi'i city, he came and spread the Hanafi madhab. And she, in fact, donated some money to build a mosque here and believe it or not, the road is called Victoria Road, and the mosque is called Victoria Road Mosque. And uh, um, that is the kind of relationships we have, we 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 have with we had then. Um, to the point, if we go to the Ottoman Empire, our teachers, teachers, teachers still have letters and connections with some of the advisors to the last Sultan Ottoman uh, Abdul Hamid Athani II. Uh, so we have connections all over, going back hundreds of years. And uh, uh, I would really like to share that thesis with you so you can get a, a, a more richer and a more holistic understanding of the just the, the brief that I'm giving you now.
0: Oh, no, I'd, I'd, love, I'd love to read it. Uh, so that, that's a very uh, unique history and, and very rich, uh, mashallah. How, many, uh, how large is the Muslim community currently in South Africa,
1: roughly? Well, we are a minority, so uh, the Muslim community is probably twenty percent of Muslims here. Um, but our we we, we rea- there's a, a a blessing here in that um, the relationship between Muslims and non-Muslims is uh, is only growing in the positive here. I myself have been invited uh, on a number of occasions to speak um, in churches and interfaith uh, gatherings and and functions where our goals are not to compete and show who's right and wrong, but rather to see where we get along and what common ground do we have to hold hands and walk forward. You know, uh, uh, Sheikh Tariq, you're reminding me of Sayyidina Umar, if I may share a real short piece with you, uh, that um, when he went to Jerusalem, when he was invited to Jerusalem or when they went to Jerusalem with a, an army of Muslims. Um, they looked at a church, a synagogue that was filled with dirt and dust and only the sign of the synagogue uh, uh, open. And said, Naumur took takes off his, his cloak and he starts to wipe it and the entire Muslim fleet joins him to wipe it. And I think uh, a taste of that is present here. We have a lot of work to do, but um, there is really great respect amongst uh, religions here and it's really growing. In the positive.
0: So in our interactions um, over the last year or so, and also uh, you introduced me to a lot of the uh, South African students in Egypt who are studying at Al-Azhar, and in my interactions with them, I get the sense that Islam in, in South Africa is much more connected with traditional Sunni Islam in the heartland of the Muslim world than other Muslim minority communities around the world. Would you say that that's the case?
1: I'll say this, uh, uh, that's definitely the case, but um, like I mentioned earlier, uh, everyone is not doing the same thing. Wherever you go, you have uh, people who have been exposed to very little, maybe a year, two, three year courses. And um, I think it, it, it is ignorance that um, that spreads widely. And uh, it really curtails a scholar who has traveled abroad uh, to the traditional institutes you mentioned, sat by the feet of scholars, and mentioned diverse views. And I don't know if you're going to agree with me, uh, but um, a scholarship takes time. It takes 10 to 15 years minimum to sit at the feet of a scholar and really take in and drink from the basin of tolerance and mercy and understand the dean. And uh, if someone has just been exposed to about two or three years, and they don't have that amount of tolerance and they haven't drunk from such basins. And that is the majority of people. I'm sorry to say that, but uh, we, we are, it's just, there's always tension, but we are not a, a community, I would say, of, who sees themselves as victims. We, um, we are a vibrant community. And even with that difference of opinion and limitations, we're still thriving. And I think we are growing nicely, uh, um, uh, so, yes, we are rooted in tradition, but I wouldn't say everybody is rooted in tradition here. There are institutes, there are zawiyas, and in Egypt it's called sahat, and uh, we have faculties where tradition is taught. Um, there, there is one, uh, in particular the azawiyah, which our sheikhs uh, are the current sheikhs at, and they spent 10 years in Mecca at the feet of the late Sayyid Muhammad Alawi al-Maliki, they graduate graduates from Umm quran in Usul al-Fiqh, and uh, their uncles in, in turn sat by Sayyid Abbas Maliki for 10 years. And their grandfather um, uh, studied with Sayyid Abbas's scholars in Makkah. So we have that connection over there. But I, I wouldn't say everybody is rooted in tradition. All the scholars in Cairo definitely and the students there, because they are they are sitting at the heart of it. I, I believe Egypt is called Umud Dunya, mother of this world. And... Uh, Really, uh, uh, that the, womb the, the is there that's giving birth to traditional knowledge, and I think we're all connected by a cord to Cairo. No, I I
0: definitely agree. I, I you know scholarship uh, takes uh, takes time because you know I look at it more that this is, it's like an it's 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 learning to practice an art, and I believe that the ulama that have journeyed uh, like you've mentioned for an extended period of time are actually artists and that takes time and it takes talent Uh, so of course not everybody uh, will be able to partake in that but every time I interact with South African Muslims or most of the times when I interact with South African Muslims I get the sense that it's, it's still much more it's still plugged in to traditional Sunni Islam in a way that other Muslim like the Muslim minority community in North America is not like that I think we're much more splintered, much more fragmented. So that's something that I've noticed and I, and I think is, is one of the advantages that you guys have in South
1: Africa. A hundred percent we are rooted within the Sunni tradition, no doubt. Um, but even there, I, 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 I uh, prefer just being open and, and saying it like it easier. We are definitely rooted within Sunni Islam, but you will find in South Africa a mosque, which has a label on there, Hanafis only. So to that extent, whether you are rooted within tradition or not, you could be um, doing a disservice to that particular madhab and to that Sunni Islam because of the limitations, um, because of your limitations and ignorance. But I agree with you, we are rooted within Sunni Islam and Alhamdulillah, that is not the majority, the negative. It is the minority. The majority are a tolerant, vibrant uh, people And uh, even our mosques now are, we are starting more classes in mosques, whether it is Tajweed, Quran, um, uh, we have lots of Arabic programs going on, we have international guests constantly coming here, and uh, the the Sufi tradition is alive here. We have all the tariqas here who who have their own regular uh, sessions on Thursday nights. So yes, we are rooted within the Sunni tradition. I think I'll proudly, humbly say that.
0: So on that issue of Tasawf, that's actually the next sort of area I wanted to discuss with you. Um, it, it seems also that the, the 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 tradition, the spiritual tradition of Yemen and the Ba'Alawi, is very
1: strong in South Africa. Is that is that true? Um, our uh, uh, Sunni tradition, I would say that that is strong here. Is it's not exactly Yemeni; it is uh, it is more Meccan because our our ulama sat at the feet of Sayyid Muhammad alawi al-Maliki and the ulama of Makkah. And we were taught from young that uh, we took from the ulama of Makkah. And Sayyid Muhammad bin alawi al-Maliki, he he didn't particularly like using words like just ba'alawi and having this color. On his seat sat the Qadris, the Shadilis, the Ba'alawis. And uh, I, I remember giving you a book in Cairo, a blue book on the sublime way, where he says that was like a melting pot and the name disappeared, where everyone drank from a particular basin. I myself was exposed to the scholars in Cairo, to Mecca, al-Mashaykh, Mecca. So, yes, there are, uh, it's, it's, a, 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 it's from Yemen, but I think mostly from Mecca and from the tradition of Mecca and Cairo and a flavor of Yemen as well. Then we have a whole host of in, uh, Indian community here, uh, and they are rooted within the Chisti order. And uh, the, 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 the Mashaikh, they, they come from India and from Pakistan. We have um, uh, scholars here who have latched on from uh, uh, decades uh, ago to uh, I, I'm, I'm lose, I, I'm, I can't recall even the name of the tariqas now. It's not the Qadri, the Baalawi, not the Shadili, but rather the... chef, uh, you you're going to have to help me mention another famous tariqa. here. It's not the Chistis? Not the Chistis either. Uh, I, uh, I I can't recall now, but I know they're from Cyprus. Uh, the oh, Kabbani. Na- Na- Kabbani. Na- Naq- Naqshbandis. The Naqshbandi. Uh, there's a huge community of Naqshbandis here. Uh, one of the, the sheikhs who was deputized by uh, uh, the late Naqshbandi Sheikh who passed away was a Muqaddam here in Cape Town and he passed away recently as well Dr. Yusuf De Costa and he is also translated he's a professor and uh, a master spiritual guide who has passed away recently may Allah bless their, their souls so yes all I think all the tariqahs are, are prevalent here uh, one that's not here uh, in fact is the the one the, the tariqah which I'm looking a lot at on the internet is that of Sheikh Al-Karkari are you familiar with that? Uh, in Morocco in Morocco?
0: Yes. I, I, I believe it's a branch a branch of the Shadiliyyah.
1: Oh, okay, I've, I've uh, heard about him, our sheikh has spoken about him, but that is not yet. But all the tariqahs mentioned uh, is easier, and I, I think what, what is taught mostly, what we grew up with was the Ghazalian methodology of tahliyyah uh, and tahliyyah, uh, you know, uh, removing bad qualities from the heart, adorning the heart with beauty. And thereby becoming somewhat uh, uh, of a, a decent human being, and uh, yeah, it was that being human before being Muslim through the path of Khazali, which I think is firmly laid down in Cape Town.
0: Alhamdulillah. So, I, 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 uh, you know, it's a very cosmopolitan. Uh, it sounds in in that uh, from that point of view that there are a lot of there's a lot of representation and. And you know, aside from the the Hanafi only signs, it sounds like it's it's accommodating, alhamdulillah. Uh,
1: which again, yeah, I, yeah I, I, it's easy. Uh, Sorry, no, no, go ahead, please, please. go ahead. I say we 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 even have a yearly gathering of all the tariqas together in a particular mosque where they all recite a litany just to show that solidarity and that support that we uh, we tolerate each other. And it's not just my way. My way is not the only way. And in fact, if you go to some of the, um, where the, the heads of the Ba'alawi from Makkah are in the Azawi, you'll find that in the classes, the Naqshbandis, the uh, Shadhili's, they all attend the lectures sitting together um, in unison, showing that we again, and I can't emphasize that enough, is that we drink from one basin I recently um, uh, watched a clip of our Sheikh Dr. Yusri uh, gathered in, in Cairo and he was he put his hands together and he said these two palms represent the, uh, the, the deen the Prophet wasalam, came with and each finger represents a madhab. So the finger is very small compared to the, the, the palms and the hands and one finger is different to the other finger. So in that way, um, I'm trying to, uh, in fact, do a diagram of that and expose that, that Tolerance is actually healthy, and we're all drinking from one basin.
0: Yeah, I would like I would like to see that. Uh, so, Ali, the other thing I know about you, uh, other than the obvious that you, you know you're from South Africa, is that, mashallah, you 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 have a lot of activities. I mean, one time I tried to call you, and you're like, oh, well, I, I'm I'm going to be on the radio, so I have to call you after the radio, you know, interview. And you you know, there's a lot there's a lot that you're doing, you know, mashallah. So, can you give us uh, like a tu- another tutorial of your activities, the institute that you run, the classes, the kind of students that you have, uh, so we can have a better feel of the mechanics of how a lot of a lot of what you're talking about is actually implemented on a day-to-day basis.
1: Okay, the uh, sheikh, firstly, um, from the get-go, I don't consider myself to be a sheikh. Um, the title can be used, but I've sat before scholars in Cairo, and I think I know the worth of a sheikh. So I'm a student who uh, is just conveying knowledge, and this is what happens at the Islamic Text Institute, which is the institute uh, we run here in Cape Town. Uh, let me just take you through a typical week. A Sunday morning, the adults uh, gather for a reading of Imam Suyuti's Itqan, which is a book on the sciences of the Qur'an, uh, and also a book on spirituality and psychology, which is the Hikam of Ibn Ata'illah. So that's a combination read on a Sunday morning here. Yeah. On a Monday morning, uh, we read, uh, again, the Itqan, but we, uh, it's a more advanced class, and the Hikam as well. On a Tuesday morning at the Institute, uh, the Jawahara of Imam laqqani is read, and a specific uh, third-tier commentary, which is we call a hashiya, um a commentary upon a commentary upon a poem on theology. And in fact, it's so interesting, this poem was written by a 17-year-old, they say, in one night, and, and it's been preserved for all these years. So that's what we're reading here, Alhamdulillah. On a Wednesday evening, at the Institute, we read um, uh, the Bayquniya, And if you recall, I asked you if I could read it to you a few months ago. Yes, and uh, sorry, we, yeah. And that was just to get the barakah and the blessings from your side as well, Sheikh. And we're reading a commentary by Sheikh Sirajuddin Husseini, And it's an interesting commentary because the commentary, each word has the harakah and the khat, and kasra. And it's easy for the uh, non-Arabic speaker who are not to fluent in Arabic, to follow each word. And at the same time, we are learning lots of vocabulary while doing the commentary. And then and additionally, Wednesday nights, we are reading the, uh, a book of knowledge, Foundations of Knowledge and Wisdom by Imam Abdullah Al-Haddad. And that's the book on the nature of the world, why there's plurality, why there's diversity, um, uh, why we are here, we are challenged here. We are not in paradise, but we will be challenged. Uh, And so forth, it's a masterpiece of a work. And then uh, that covers our adult classes in the week here. On a Monday and Tuesday and Saturday morning, the place is filled with children from grade one, two, three, four, to six. And they do their Quranic recitation, getting familiar with the Arabic alphabet. And they are exposed to fiqh, theology, uh, tawhid, and spirituality via books, which I have, uh, alhamdulillah, authored and it's called The Mind, Body, and Soul Collection. It's a book uh, flooded with mercy, compassion, tolerance, going through uh, fiqh for the body, theology for the mind, and to soul spirituality for the heart. And it's rooted, again, in the works of Ibn at for psychology and spirituality, by Julie for the theology section, and Ghazali for the Tissouf uh, section. So I've written a book a workbook, an activity book, a coloring book, and uh, one of the uh, books from Fakhruddin razi which I tailored down or, or tailored up for children uh, on Surah Fatiha with different dimensions and avenues of looking at it. And lastly, on Thursday afternoons, we have classes for autistic children, and we're calling that an inclusive madrasa, where we have special teachers who are giving their time to children with special needs, So they are exposed to um, to the tradition as well. And it's unbelievable what we learn from them and the skills and the gifts they have. I think we're learning more from them than they are learning from us. So that is what happens on a weekly basis here at the Islamic Text Institute. I lecture the adult classes. Four ladies and one gentleman are employed for the madrasa. And uh, uh, additionally, I just finished my... uh, Uh, doing an entire syllabus for a school, the Islamia College, the primary school textbooks. And I have accepted a contract to do the high school textbooks for this year. And lastly, I am sure you're familiar with the Johara the the thesis and the masters I'm doing now on Tawheed. And Alhamdulillah, Sunni Publications has just released volume one on Lordship. So in a nutshell, I hope that wasn't too long. That's a summary of what happens at the Institute,
0: um, which is actually... You know. I think when we hear that That's when we say Masha'Allah I mean that's <laughs> That's a very uh, Very comprehensive you know, Masha'Allah you know, Thank you for all of All of that hard work Now between the adults And the children How many adults Would you say Average uh, Are going through These classes every week
1: I would say uh, you know, We have a, a WhatsApp group Where each Student is in And we communicate In there regarding The classes And at the moment I think there's about 220 students so they don't all come at once it could be this morning we probably had about 60 students so tomorrow morning and Tuesday morning it's tailored for those who are retired and who have the time so and i've noticed that those interested in in um, in ibn anataila's hikam are actual psychologists coming to the class here and they've told me they use this in their practices and it's it's phenomenal the results they are seeing then we have uh, uh, so we have a smaller class where doctors principals, teachers, psychologists actually attend Mondays and Tuesday mornings. Uh, So each class is different. It ranges from about 50 to 70 students per class in the adult classes. The children classes, I think we have about 80 students per class, Mondays, Tuesdays, and um, Saturdays. And the special needs class, I think is about 10 students per class because we cannot cater for more because each child needs uh, extra attention. And there are four uh, teachers who are doing their best to give each child the due attention and uh, yeah, the attention that's needed.
0: Yeah, mashallah. So on on the issue of special needs, I mean that's something I think that is important to, to highlight. In our mosque here in um, in, in the Washington D.C. area, uh, we have uh, our mosque is certified by a group called Muhsin and I'll I'll put a link for that in the episode notes. That helps Masajid in North America become. More friendly for special needs uh, Children and families with special needs uh, So to make sure that the mosque is physically accessible And to also that uh, the mosque uh, does a, uh, Has an obligation for a few times a year To educate the community About the importance of welcoming uh, Special needs uh, people And families with special needs etc And I think that that's really, really I'm very proud that we've done that uh, It's a learning process for me personally To learn you know how I can be more accessible and, and, and more uh, open to that. Uh, but I, I would love to hear your own experience of, of that journey. And, and you said, for example, that you learn a lot from them. And, and you know, how many families are there roughly with you guys? And, and, and can you give us a sense of how how opening to that community has helped, has helped those people?
1: Well, uh, a few months ago, we had all the parents coming here, about 50 parents, uh, most of them were in tears because of the space that's being provided, that they could speak and uh, realize that they are not alone, that there's somebody else uh, who is who's going through what they are going through, that you're not carrying the burden alone. We gave parents a, a opportunity to speak here and we are going to continue um, inviting them uh, on a bi-monthly basis. So we formed a WhatsApp group and the parents are in that group and in there they share ideas, they meet up with each other, they support each other. Then we had to start a separate group where parents who have um, who wished for their children to attend here um, uh, to communicate as well. So let me give an example of the talents here. Uh, we uh, we were busy with the Wudu and the Adhan and surafatiha. And one of the children who is challenged read Surah Fatiha in such a beautiful, melodious tone that we were shocked um, out of our wits that he has this kind of talent and love for his station. Another one uh, could read the Adhan backwards flawlessly. So uh, some are, are so into music and sounds and colouring in um I don't I didn't even know the impact that I had because I'm, I'm hardly instructing and teaching. We have people who are teaching them here, ladies who are qualified. But um, when I came into class on Thursday, one of them came to hug me and told me they missed me and they couldn't wait to come back to Madrasa. The parents have told us that it's the highlight of the week to come to Madrasa. Uh, more so because the place that uh, the, the institute itself, be it small, was made conducive, attractive and enjoyable and child friendly. There's also the, um, the, the, the items we are developing. Um, I've been on a, uh, a, quite a journey last year uh, and a mission, in fact, to develop a game for children. And I'm sure I've, I've shared it with you, the Islamic Text Trivia Game where they come here and they play, and uh, they're playing with cards, but at the same time they are learning history, theology, tohid, spirituality, Arabic, but they can pick up a card and play a game and laugh about it uh, and enjoy themselves. So I think the items that we've developed, um, the support with the parents, the interaction of the children and the, 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 the soft nature of the teachers, and uh, their attitude to come to the level of the child and talk to the child has done wonders. And it is moving, to say the least.
0: So two things I want to say to that. Number one is offline, if you have any uh, information that can help me and our community uh, reach out more to the special needs groups in our community I would really welcome that so you know best practices lesson learned that I would really love you know if you have stuff available number two is not only do I have the game I love the game my kids love the game my wife was so happy when I I brought it home and Um, I'd like actually maybe to segue into that. And if you can talk to us a little bit more about how the, this idea came to you to, to develop this like trivia game, how is it doing and what are your plans for, you know, spreading it more and
1: expanding it? The Islamic text trivia game was an idea that popped into my mind. I don't know if I was inspired or it's just my nafs myself had wanted to play, but, um, I uh, woke up one morning and I thought to myself, why can't we enjoy learning beyond a book? And I drafted a sample card. And on the card, I, I think it was the first The first card was, uh, who built the first mosque in Cairo, uh, who established the first mosque in Cairo. And I wrote down four answers. And the one was Abdullah bin Amr al-As, radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And then I thought, why can't we develop more of these cards? And then I categorized it into fiqh for jurisprudence, to history, to Quran, Arabic, and I placed about 20 cards per category. And then ideas came uh, to mind. Why can't this game be a question and answer game where if you answer about five to six questions correct, you get uh, a card, a paradise card, and you enter the first level of paradise. And as you answer more questions correctly, you get to the second level, and your goal is to get to Al Firdos, Paradise level number seven. And ideas came, uh, uh, which included traveling to Egypt and Cairo. So a card will will, will state travel to Cairo, or to Egypt, or travel to Mecca, and there you have to answer questions pertaining to Meccan history and Egyptian history, and uh, you until you get a card that allows you to leave back to continue your journey to paradise. But then I had another idea. If you reach 80 points in Mecca or Egypt, you'd die a shaheed, a martyr, and you fly all the way to paradise immediately. hisab, without being held to account. <laughs> uh, so that game uh, became a reality, and uh, it was a, an experience and a learning curve for me to actually get the boxes printed, the artwork done, the quality of cards, the coating of the cards. And alhamdulillah, we have to date sold about 600 games uh, locally and abroad. It's reached about nine countries. Um, I uh, the, the channel uh, TV channel in Cairo, uh, the, I don't know if you call it the Humanity Channel, but Karnat and Nas gave yeah. me the opportunity to present the game on TV.
0: Yeah, I saw that interview. It
1: um, was very nice. I also got the opportunity from uh, uh, an Egyptian newspaper, Misra to they interviewed me and wrote an article. I'm not sure if it was published. But uh, exposure was given, and I think the game needs and deserves more exposure. Uh, And I'm, in fact, busy with another game called Humanity, where uh, I would like all faiths to come on board and go, in fact, to synagogues and churches and stores and have a game where we can ask a question, what do human beings have in common? Where is the Vatican located? Where is the Kaaba located? Um, Just to, to build that bridge uh, which we can all cross and uh, learn from each other and hold hands and see what we have in common. And even what we do not have in common, we can, um, we can respect uh, the, the next person for being a human being vested with a soul from God.
0: What has been the reaction of, of families and uh, children that use uh, and play the game?
1: Uh, the feedback's amazing. The criticism is also there. I've got some pointers and things, which is alhamdulillah very healthy. But ninety percent of every single person who has played the game, they have they have given positive feedback. They're enjoying the game. The game is part of our syllabus at our madrasa. That the children, after they recite their less the Quranic uh, verses, they'll get together in groups of three or four, and uh, they'll play the game and earn points every week. So the the, the, the the feedback is really positive from children to teenagers, to adults, uh, to teachers and parents. Uh, we actually had a few competitions here at, at the castle, which is a, a one of the wonders of Cape Town. Uh, we had a huge competition there with the Medina Institute students, with students from various uh, countries who were here for a particular period in a festive season. And the competition went extremely well. So I think, in in summary, the feedback has been overwhelming. It's been really positive. I've had the opportunity to um, present the game to scholars in Egypt, to the likes of Sheikh Ali Juma, to yourself. I've presented it to you. And alhamdulillah, I just received smiles uh, after they looked at the game. One of the scholars in, in Cairo, Dr. Osama al Azhari, he mentioned that this game should be translated into Arabic, in fact. And uh, there was also a, a, an elderly woman, one of the senior lecturers at the Azhar, uh, Dr. Ustada Nahla Haraki, who I presented the game to and my books, and she asked if, for permission to translate it into Arabic. So it's a great honor to get such feedback from senior scholars uh, regarding something locally uh, create, developed here in Cape Town.
0: Is, is the game available online for purchase?
1: Uh, uh, If we are busy with that, I've had meetings for the past few weeks with a developer. And we have already started uh, developing the game. And hopefully within a month or two, it will be on the Google Play Store, inshallah. We'll be working on that.
0: Okay, well definitely let me know uh, because I would like to include that link uh, also for for my listeners, uh, You know, just sort of to help spread the the news. I, I mean, I think we live in a time where that type of learning is oftentimes more impactful than the traditional you know sit with the sheikh and study the book and where which I think both of us appreciate uh and and maybe both of us incline towards that but realistically learning through fun is gonna be uh, a lot better for a large number of people, so you know alhamdulillah, it'd be nice to spread spread the news of the game
1: now there's no doubt about that. Uh, sorry to cut, to cut you short. What I've learned and noticed and been exposed to is that a child needs to enjoy the madrasa environment. A child needs to enter smiling. They need to want to be here and they need to leave talking about it and need to have a feeling that that place I'm going to is not a morbid, depressing place where I'm going to get insulted, belittled, but it's a place where I'm reminded of, of, of the value of life, of humanity, of what this Qur'an is trying to teach me. Uh, it's starting with mercy. Every single chapter is opening with mercy and compassion that the Prophet is a mercy to all creation. The relationship, the first word in the Qur'an is Allah. The last word is nas, human. So that relationship is what we are driving into the children. And through games like these, exactly what you said, the traditional way is beloved to, to lots of us. I love it. Nothing can substitute that. But we need to be... Um, innovative, and we need to be creative in the way we present our tradition to our youth today especially.
0: Uh, I couldn't agree more. Couldn't couldn't agree more. I mean, I I wish... When I was growing up, I was at your madrasa. I think I would have enjoyed <laughs> enjoyed it a lot more. I think
1: I would have enjoyed it. I think I would have enjoyed it myself if I was at this madrasa if it existed then. So at, at least we can leave
0: leave the world better for our children uh, than you know um, than we had it. So the other thing I know about you, uh, you've mentioned it sort of briefly, is uh, your work in, in publishing, writing, translating. Uh, I've, uh, you know, had the honor of, of looking at your books, uh, and, uh, helping in, you know, very small ways, uh, uh, you know, all of the work's really been done by you. But one of the things I wanted to, first of all, if you could just tell us, give us like a very s- small list of what you've published and what you're currently working on. And the second thing, which I'm, which maybe is where we can take the discussion is, I'm interested in what led you to want to focus on works of theology uh, and if you can sort of address the importance of that genre and and why you decided to dedicate so much of your time to 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 translating those works and commenting on them.
1: Okay, Um, about 15, 16 years ago, could be 17 years ago, a friend took me to um, an institute, a place where a sheikh was sitting and uh, he had a turban on. And he was reading from a book, and I heard him say, uh, "The path to God is to sleep less, eat less, talk less, and mix less with people." And I thought to myself, "This is not Quran and Sunnah. This is something strange. I'm not coming back here again. This man is talking, is talking crazy." <laughs> um, and uh, he told me, "Come back one more time. Just come with me. We'll take a drive." And I sat there, and I listened. And this man was quoting eight, 900-year-old books. And I don't know if it was just the blessings on the light from his heart that came into my heart, but the relationship after that was inseparable. That was Sheikh Ahmed Hendricks, um, who is the brother of Sheikh Siraj Hendricks, and I would say one of the foremost scholars I've ever met in my life. Um, and he is, they are the representatives in South Africa, of Sayyid Muhammad Alawi al Malik of the Ba'alawi order. Um years later, after listening to him, reading the Riyadu Salihin of Imam Nawawi, reading the Matan Abu Suja of uh, in fiqh, um, all these books, we ended up uh, opening up a book called the Johara, the Pearl or Jewel of Oneness of Tawheed. And the commentary was by Imam Bajuri. And we done this book word for word over a period of three or four years on a Monday evening. And I was Blown away by the depth, the tolerance in there, that just to find out what the first obligation is, wajib is that he listed about twelve different opinions. So the book was full with tolerance. It was full with respect. It wasn't a a work looking up for the flaws of people and trying to get people into the pits of hellfire. It was. Uh, even the, the, those refuted in the books, the Mu'tazila, um, they were respected and their opinions were mentioned while refuting them. And I was so uh, moved by this work, I thought to myself, um, this work, this commentary, it has to be in English. I fell in love with the work. That is how I started, came to the point of translating Imam Bajuri's commentary on Imam Lakhani's poem and theology with the comments I heard from our sheikh and my own flavor um, added in there. Um, but that was not the first book I wrote. That's what inspired me to write uh, this book on theology. What inspired me about four or five years prior to that was uh, a book by Imam Abu Zahra, al alaqa Dawliya, International Relations. What a wonderful work about how to treat the next human being. And that was the first book I attempted translate into English, and I titled the book, The Honour and Status of the Human Being, and it sold out in a few nights, and I don't even have a copy in my library yet. Uh, And then after that, uh, while we were exposed to books on Sufism and the self, I published another book called The Legacy, A Spiritual Journey to God, and in there I chose about 30 scholars, and I researched and traced their chain of transmission to the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. And I introduced each chapter with the name of his scholar, Ushaykh, his chain of transmission up to the Prophet, peace be upon him, followed by his background and some of his sayings. Um, later on, alhamdulillah, I published, uh, I think the book after that was uh, a book called Surah Fatiha, A Fellowship of Faith. And the title was taken from a masterpiece of a commentary on the Quran by Abdullah Yusuf Ali. And he said in there, when we bow down in prayer, bend our backs, and they bow their backs down in humility to God, then we strengthen each other in prayer and form a fellowship of faith. And I named that Surah Fatiha, A Fellowship of Faith. Later on, I did the Jauhara, and Alhamdulillah, the last book I I compiled was Islam, A Tradition of Mercy, which is uh, consists of about 60 stories narrated in Imam Fakhruddin al-Razi's Taksir on Surah Fatiha, And I added pictures to make it uh, 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 delightful for youngsters and lessons which adults can appreciate as well. Besides that, for our own madrasa, I write the books personally and our syllabus is titled The Mind, Body and Soul Syllabus, where we have a book for learning, a book for activities, a book for the grade one and twos with a color in. And that book I did according to the Hijri calendar, so when they get to Rajab, they expose to the Rajab, they color it in, and they learn the Salah, because it was revealed on the Blessed Night of Me'araj. When they get to uh, Muharram, they learn about uh, Ashura. So every month has a significance. They learn to appreciate and respect time, place, whilst learning their tradition. That's a summary of the books, alhamdulillah, I've been uh, blessed to, to pen.
0: And Where, where, for listeners, where where can people buy them? Do you have like one publisher that you're using?
1: Uh, The only uh, book that I've sent to a publisher abroad was Sunni publications. My book on theology, the Jauhara Tawheed, can be purchased via Sunni publications. Um, and they are well-known on the internet. Simply type in Sunni Pub, Sunni Publications. There, the, the book is available there. It's gone international, and it's doing very well, alhamdulillah. As for the rest of the books, uh, it is ordered from the Islamic Text Institute. So the email address we have two. the simple one is Text at gmail.com. All my WhatsApp numbers available, and we get WhatsApp messages for books to be ordered directly from the Islamic Text Institute. Once it's ordered, the books are shipped the next day, uh, so, uh, and, and it's done regularly, weekly. So what I can do is leave the email address with you, the WhatsApp number. And if anybody is interested in acquiring these kiddies books or the adult books, which we have uh, 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 written here in Cape Town, then we will gladly post them to you via speed mail, which takes about a week. Alhamdulillah, and it's really safe. Uh, so directly from our institute, all our books, and the Joe Harab, the English commentary from Sunni Publications.
0: Okay, so I'll put all that information in the episode notes so people have it. I mean, personally, I definitely would like uh, at least in my library a, a cop, one copy of, of everything that you've you've put together. You know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of your work. Alhamdulillah, especially. Uh, I mean, there are two things. One, the 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 syllabus that you have for for the madrasa school, that's. I believe that's like a talent Allah has not blessed me with that talent to, to be able to put together like a, a curriculum for little kids and to teach them I'm I, I do better with older, you know, maybe college age and older, it just you know, everyone has their, their talents. So I'm always looking for our own purposes, my own children, our own Sunday school, you know, what's the best curriculum? What's this? And actually, I remember one time, I was in a Muslim bookstore in, in Virginia, which is one of the neighboring states here in the Washington DC area. And they had a section uh, that had all of these uh, curricula for schools. And I got like a copy of each one. I came home and I looked at them. And I remember distinctly that the ones from South Africa were the best. I I think I've lost Uh them. I don't know exactly where they are. But I remember I tried to call the publisher. I tried to call the, you know, the mosque. I really didn't get far. But in the back of my, that was, you know, maybe 10 years ago. And I just remember in the back of my mind, oh, you know, South Africa, they got their act together. So... I definitely want to get a copy of all of your books. The second thing is I'm very happy uh for for very uh, territorial reasons. I'm very happy that you're you're translating the Jawhara. I'm very biased, of course, towards Al-Azhar in Egypt. I mean, I'm very <laughs> open about my bias. So I, I'm I'm very happy that you're doing that. And, and but but all joking aside, I mean, this is a book that has stood the test of time. Uh you know, generations and generations of people have have studied the the Jauhara. Um, and in recent uh, history, a few generations have studied uh, Bayjuri's uh, commentary. Uh, it's very approachable, it's very useful. It pretty much covers everything that you need to know. So I'm happy that we have this that's coming out in English. Uh, when I teach, uh, I like to make sure that whatever book I'm teaching is in English, has been translated. Uh, to help students one to help with their Arabic so they can look at the Arabic and if, if they're not if something is not clear They can look at the translation, but also to to make it to make the class accessible to as many people as possible So I like to focus on English language things So I, I'm very appreciative that you've done that I think you've done a wonderful job on the translations the stuff that I've looked over uh, With you before I think you know mashallah you're doing a good job. So keep up the good work and uh, the, the real question is when are we going to
1: see volume 2? Uh, Volume 2 is, 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 thank you for all that, uh, dear Sheikh. Volume 2 is done. It's completed. We just finished verse 80 uh, last week. I think it's just verse 80 left. And uh, uh, I I will forward it to the publishers uh, soon. So within a couple of months, I think volume 2 should be ready. From my side, we've uh, translated uh, uh, from, I think, verse 54 up to 80, which we are going to keep for volume 2. It's been proofread by two proofreaders, alhamdulillah, and it is going to be sent through to Sunni publications, I think, within a few weeks' time. I've actually um, I actually finished volume two while I was in Cairo. Uh, I sat every, every day for a few hours translating it. But um, the translation is one thing. After that, it has to go through to people who are clued up with the discipline, the science, or the craft. I like to call it the craft, a fun, because you need a craftsman to teach you that particular craft. But uh, finicky with these words. I've actually picked up the word "craft" fun in uh, in Bajouri's commentary. Looking Nonetheless, off. once it is proofread, it's going to be sent to Sunni publications. There's another thing that I, I, I really uh, I I was tempted to write. It was a small treatise on um, uh, on on on, on, two, on my experience in Cairo, and you were one of the experience. Believe it or not, I don't know if you want me to share that now on the podcast to keep it for offline. Uh, no, you got me
0: too curious. You can't say that and not say it. So you have to share. I, I'm curious.
1: Uh, uh, okay, so there are two highlights I experienced in Cairo. The okay. first was before Dr. Sheikh Hassan Ashafi, who is someone I dearly love. And I would attend his uh, classes on theology um, on, I think it was a Thursday morning at the Azhar. And I barely understood what he was saying. I understood, yeah, I knew the technical terms because I've done the work in English here. But I, I tried my best to understand. But what happened one day is that um, a five-year-old girl, I think, walked into, this is the Azhar. To me, it is it is uh, one of the first uh, universities built in the world. So it stands for for greatness. It stands for what humanity should Uh, what we want to be as human beings. This girl comes in and he stops his lesson. He's He's got a hearing aid. He's got false teeth. His knees are very frail now, so he struggles to get up. But he gets up and he takes out all the money he has in his pocket. And he goes straight to that girl, stops the class and places the money in her hand. And to me, that was, wow. All this knowledge you are teaching us here, possibly amounts to nothing if we cannot do that. And without saying a word, I was exposed to what the heart of the Azhar is and what a decent human being is. The second was when I met you, a Sheikh, at a at a coffee bar. I'd never used the word bar here,
0: but we met at a
1: at <laughs> at a coffee house. Um I think it was called Costa Coffee, if I'm not mistaken. Correct, yeah. And I was quite nervous to to meet you uh, because I'm a student. You are way senior to me. Nonetheless, we meet and um, you go and look for a chair for me, up and down, marching up and down. And I'm thinking to myself, no way is this. I got a lot of humility to learn because this is a scholar of note, of depth, who's walking around a coffee store, upstairs and downstairs, until he finds a chair for me to sit on. And uh, I was left speechless. And in both lessons, nothing had to be said from yourself and Dr. Hassan Asherfi. It was actions which spoke louder than words. And I thought to myself, I should write a little five, six-page treatise on the two scholars who taught me a lesson without having to say a word. There you go.
0: So I, I'm, now I'm a little embarrassed. I I I I'm trying to recollect that that. that I mean, I remember meeting in the cafe, um, and I do. I think I do remember there was a. I had I can't think I came early and there was a. I was like, oh, where are we going to sit? You know, we can't. This is like such a bustling place. We need like some privacy, and so it's it's coming back to me. But you're very very kind to say that. Um, but on Doctor Hassan Ishef, I mean, I can attest to that. I I I I was blessed to study with him don't feel bad about not understanding because I studied Tef Tazani with him and, and it took me, you know, maybe the better part of a year until I figured out what was actually going on. Uh, um, Alhamdulillah. Okay, <laughs> that's... that's <a> really <laughs> and I, I remember, man, this al Kalam stuff is, is is pointless. This is so ridiculously abstract and obtuse. So it is very complicated stuff. And the, the story that you mentioned, that exact thing happened with my children. I remember... I can't. Maybe five, seven, eight years ago, something like that. I took my kids to Al Azhar, just to show them the mosque. And then he was actually giving a class, and we walked into the class, and he did the same exact thing. Uh, he stood up and he gave the kids money, and you know the kids were very happy. And like, oh, we got all this money. I was like, forget about the money. Just you know, kiss the sheikh's hand and and say thank you, and you know this is the man who taught taught me al and and things like that. So, mashallah, very. A uh, very blessed person. We ask Allah to give him long life and, and, and to, you know, help him in with his ailments.
1: Um, I mean, if I may just add one more thing while we're latching on to Dr. Hassan al-Shafi is that um, by Allah's will, he was the one who endorsed my johara and wrote the uh, the introduction to it. And yes, we actually did a video, a little ceremony there. And I kept thinking to myself, I, can't, I can barely understand you, uh, but you are so welcoming. You're writing a commentary, you've gone through the English, you've given your, your, uh, you've uh, lauded it, and you've, you've given me so much. You've inviting me over and over and over. What? Um, you've got students here for years uh, who sit right next to you. I mean, they're masters of the language and of the subject. But um, it's, it's just the opportunity that he gave to put me next to him and to give, to endorse the book. And I think it is the baraka and the blessings and the real genuineness in their hearts that allows um, books like this to gain some weight and to gain some status and to benefit others. So I've really learned a lot in Cairo and I've learned the most just by looking, I've learned more there from observing the character of scholars than I think from the, the words that I've, I don't know if I can, if I'm making sense here, but I've learned the greatest lessons, I would say, from their actions.
0: No, I, I, as not only do I understand what you're saying, I, I fully uh, concur and endorse that concept. Um, one of the advantages I found in studying in Egypt is Egypt is a very, very busy city. Uh, it's full of people, full of happenings and goings and incidences and things like that. And, and you can't live in Egypt without some of that rubbing off on you. So even though... You're sitting in this ancient mosque and you're studying this ancient text. It's like, I like, I say it's like going to Hogwarts. You're like really in a world within a world. You still can't, uh, you can't help but mix with the quote-unquote real world. So when you're with a teacher for a long period of time, you see how that teacher interacts with the quote-unquote real world. So you see all of these issues and how they de- how they deal when they're buying something. How do they deal with their family? How do they deal with you know the cab driver? How do they deal when somebody's you know walks into the mosque and tries to fight with them? And I've seen all of those you know uh, things. I-, I remember one one time I was blessed. I traveled with Sheikh Osama Al Azhari. We went from Cairo to Alexandria to visit uh, a Sheikh there, and we basically spent the whole day together. You know, early morning I picked him up and we drove there. We spent Almost the whole day with the sheikh. It might have been Friday, I think. So there was also drama involved. We had lunch and then we came back. Uh, so just that whole day, even though I studied with Sheikh Osama for for years, I learned more in that day probably than I did in the whole two years with him, just because of the what you're saying. Wow. So I, I I not only is that important, but I I think w- me you other people that have studied in this way, I think we actually have an obligation to write about these stories uh to show our contemporaries and to show our children and our grandchildren that there is goodness still exists uh and there are people of of khair everywhere that carry the prophetic tradition and this is how it manifests in our lifetime or these are some of the manifestations of it in our lifetime so i i, I endorse that i think it's very important i think you bring up a good point
1: yeah what i've uh what uh, I, I found uh quite amazing and uh, fascinating and uh, to be a treat was that um you go to these scholars you come with your mother tongue there um you can't understand everything that's being said because half the discourse is in uh, fusha in classical arabic and then the others are in amiya and uh, suddenly you realize wait there's no cough in this language it's it changed <laughs> to a gim something then you keep hearing um and I'm thinking to myself, what's going on here? They're throwing some letters away and they're adding other letters. <laughs> uh, this guy comes to me and he says, "Amil a Zayek. And I'm thinking, uh, uh, what happened to Haluk? <laughs> what happened to her <laughs> and Malika? Because he's saying da <laughs> and da. And uh, slowly, you either fall in love with it or you hate it. And I fell in love with it. I think one of my deepest wishes is to express, to Oh, look on my wall here at the I'm sitting in now. There's a, there's a, 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 frame here with Sheikh Ali Juma, with a child in his arms and the Habib Umar bin Hafir looking at them smiling. Um, I dearly love, uh, Sheikh Ali Juma. I, uh, can, may I narrate to you something that happened? Uh, do we have time? Uh, Please. We have all the time in the world. So the first time I met him, one of, uh, Sheikh, uh, Man, manhush or manhush. I don't know if a cough is used when you pronounce names yeah. well, well, he's, he's, but, Lib- uh, he's
0: Libyan so it,
1: you can say it either he's way Libyan. <laughs> okay, one of his students who was a, a dentist uh, gifted me with driving me to uh, Sheikh, Sheikh Ali Jumma's mosque which is Masjid al-Fabil on a Friday and he gave me a particular seat to sit on I sat there and the surprise was that uh, Sheikh Ali Jumma sat on the left right next to me and I didn't know what to do. I'm taking in this man's scent. He's a, someone I've listened to for years, and I'm I'm overwhelmed here. And my goal, my aim uh, is how do I get to hear the hadith of Rahma, which we call the hadith Musal Sal Bil awaliyah It's the first hadith we want to hear from the great Shaykhs. How do I ask this man to narrate it to me? Because I'm going to be speechless if I, if I look at him. What do I say? I can't speak his language, barely. And uh, my plan is, okay, after the prayer, I'm going to go to him and ask him, what happens after the prayer? There's securities and students around him and you shoved all the way to the back. You can't even get near to him. So my chances is up. And I've kind of almost given up. And there's a Syrian next to me who's got a Syrian turban on and he's close to the sheikh. And I asked him, uh, before Sheikh Ali Juma is going to give his discourse now, I asked the Syrian sheikh, you know what? I told myself, this is the closest you're going to get. You might as well ask the sheikh. And I ask him to narrate the hadith to me so it can be the first thing I hear from him. And he tells me, no ways can I narrate that while that sheikh is sitting on his chair there in his mosque. But nonetheless, I'll write it down for you, but I won't utter it. I cannot speak while he's sitting there. And lo and behold, the first thing Sheikh Ali Juma says is, I have the feeling and believe someone wants to hear the hadith of Rahma." So that's the first thing I'm going to narrate here. MashaAllah. And I can (laughs) proudly and humbly and delightfully, whatever you want to add to that, say that the first thing I ever heard in person from that great scholar of Islam is the hadith of mercy. That is my connection to him. And before I left Cairo, uh, my sheikhs here asked me to ask him for an ijazah. Which uh, I didn't know how to do But I went up to him I got an appointment in his house And I shivering as I could They asked him My sheikhs have asked for Nijaza for me And for the two of them And a few days later I got a call to come fetch it And it was a full five-page document With each of their names on And when I gave it to Sheikh Sirajah He placed it on his eyes and his forehead And uh, I just knew what that meant So uh, we have an, a connection here Which is beyond uh, just words. I think it's a heart-to-heart connection and it's something I'll forever be indebted to. What my point is that what I am exposing and sharing with you on this podcast, uh, Sheikh, it is one of my deepest wishes that I could expose and express myself to him in in that particular way. And I pray that one day we can meet him together and you can be that, um, that intermediary to share with him the work we are doing here and my journey that has led me to love you and love him and love the Azhar as I do today.
0: Inshallah, Inshallah. I, I think that's a beautiful story. Uh, and uh, again, sometimes the, uh, these things are hard to articulate. I think in language because they're they're so exper- you know such an experience uh, of deep emotions uh, that sometimes people either won't get it and think it's trivial or or. Unfortunately, have never experienced anything like that, so therefore, don't know how to to process it. And I think, uh, as you said, I think you bring up a good point that we have a an obligation to to try to spread. That's really what we're spreading. You know, it's that feeling, it's that sentiment. Uh, all the other stuff is just a tool to to help translate that. So, uh, Ali, I I'm cognizant of your time. We can go on and on and on forever. I know the two of us could probably speak for like the next twelve hours, but what I like to do around the one hour mark is, is turn it back to you and, and give you the last word is if there's anything, any last advice you'd like to leave people suggestions, it could be book recommendations, um, a a practice, anything that you'd like to, you know, sort of cap this, this first, let's call it our first conversation, our first recorded conversation,
1: anything you'd like to leave us with. Well, what comes to mind is, uh, uh, we are all human we are all trying our best we are all human comes insan comes from nasiya nasiya to forget to earth. um uh, the message that i would like to share is regardless of how much knowledge you've been exposed to and how much knowledge god almighty has vested in you um be humble about it be grateful about it uh, acknowledge that people have flaws that we have flaws even as scholars we are not perfect um Um, Like I said, I've I've shared so much uh, personal things here and I feel great about it. I'm struggling to find more words here, but if I could say a final word, uh, traverse the path of knowledge, let knowledge increase you in humility and uh, spread that knowledge. I believe the heart of this message of Islam, it's about mercy. It's about being a decent human being. It's about being a tolerant human being. It's about being a, a, a medium of spreading grace and light to all of creation. And uh, it is connecting to that Muhammadan heart through the fiqh, through the theology, through the spirituality. At the end of the day, allow knowledge to be a vehicle that transforms you into a decent human being. And that message uh, is to myself first and then to everyone listening. And in conclusion, I can just but thank you, uh, my Shaykh, Sheikh, uh, Shaykh Tariq, for, for uh, affording me the opportunity to share the little that we are doing here in Cape Town with, with all of you.
0: No, Thank you, Ali. Uh, our regards to the mashayikh, to the students, uh, I hope that uh, our next conversation will be sooner rather than later, and hopefully next time in person, either in Cairo or in South Africa. So thank you in very South much.
1: In South Africa, yes. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you, Dr. Okay. assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah.
0: Wa alaykum as wa rahmatullah. One more thing before you tune out. To help me stay focused and manage all the things I'm doing, I put together a weekly email called Friday Ruminations that highlights what I'm reading, working on, and thinking in four focus areas. Happiness, entrepreneurship, books, and Islam. If you'd like to receive these emails, which are 100% free, please go to makingsenseofislam.com forward slash friday to sign up.